that was very quiet. Good job. Hey, everyone. Welcome or welcome back to Nightmare Now. We're recording live up to camp, as they say around here. We are up in the wilds of Maine with one of my best friends growing up and to this very day, John LaMarca. John, how the hell are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. You know, it's good to see you again. Definitely uh, definitely exciting having you up to my place and uh, out in the woods. And it's exciting to have you part of things. Yeah, so we want to chat a little bit about some of the hauntings, folklore, and other spooky shit up here in the great state of Maine. We're going to start it off with one of the great legends of the... Is that your foot? Oh, God. One of the great legends of the Penobscot and Abenaki tribes present around Mount Katahdin specifically. For those of you guys that don't know, Mount Katahdin is the tallest mountain in Maine, just short of a mile, clocking in at 5,269 feet. Nice. If you're gonna sixty, if you're gonna go for a sixty-nine <laughs> at the summit, you should bring at least an eleven-foot ladder or like a forklift or something. I'm pretty sure that legally gets you in the Mile High Club. John, you're a mean mountain guide, so I gotta ask, what's that trip up to the summit like, and what's the feasibility of getting a forklift up there? It's a hundred percent zero <laughs> unless you bring like a Black Hawk helicopter and airdrop one in, even it, if it has treads. There's yeah, absolutely not. There's no way. Okay. Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm a registered Maine guide, like Eric said, and I do hunting, fishing, and hiking trips all around Maine. I uh, do mostly around the Merry Meeting Bay area around Brunswick, but I also go up north for moose hunts and uh, like this here for Mount Katahdin trips, so definitely have a lot of experience up there. Yeah, and you have your own company there if anyone is in the area looking for a trail guide and stuff, right? Absolutely. I've I've been up a couple different times with a couple different crews going up Katahdin all the way to the summit. And like you'll find out from the story, that's uh, nothing short of a miracle. So uh, yeah. we'll find out why. Yeah, and that's Lamarca Outfitters. What's your website? Uh, LamarcaOutfitters.com. All right. You owe me $500 for the ad. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> so let's begin our ascent. You've told the story a bunch of times. You told it to me a little bit, but I had to stop you. I was like, no, save it for the show. So I'm just going to give you the mic and I want you to have at it. I'm going to interject some unfunny jokes when they are appropriate or more likely when they are inappropriate. Absolutely. So uh, basically to kind of lay some groundwork here, it's very popular to tell this story. It's very popular to go up the mountain and hike up to the camp that is just at the base of the mountain at Chimney Pond. And for many guides, it's very fun to talk about the history of Pomola. Pomola is the Penobscot Indian, also Abenaki Indian god of lightning and of the winter not to be confused with the paloma which is a delicious tequila drink no 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 no, no, no. pomola pomola there's actually a peak that is named after him this particular god is a very spiteful god and has the head of a moose the body of a herculean man and the wings and the legs of an eagle fictional gold body yeah just there we go absolutely crushing it there's I'll, I'll try to throw some pictures of this in the show notes when i eventually get around to doing show notes but the image is just completely silly it looks exactly like bare-chested man with who skipped like, leg day who skipped leg day because he's got eagle legs he's got feathers and claws and all kind of noises that he's doing and um the hair kind of starts up at the top of his chest right for the moose head or does the hair kind of go down the whole body are, are we talking like bigfoot abs here or is it like <laughs> i've seen a couple different renditions one of them is basically like the head down to like the down to the belly button is moose fur like like absolutely like a moose pelt all the way down although it's like a herculean just massive dude just like a satyr happy trail just absolute six-pack just 
just very cut kind of thing with lastly, you know, angel-esque type wings, big rack, antler rack, and... Uh, big rack, huh? Big rack. No, no, no. We're, we're talking, we're talking a big, big old moose. And, uh, but lastly, yeah, those, the talons that I've seen in their artistic renditions don't really fit because at the end of the day, eagles aren't exactly known for giant legs so but yeah so yeah, we leave that to the turkeys exactly <laughs> the ostrich the old thunder chickens but yeah so the history of pomola so pomola hold on ostrich do you think you could make like a ostrich like buffalo wing like how big would that be that would be awesome i feel like it would be like a caveman holding a two-handed club but you're holding yeah, like bonk you ever play bonk on the nes yeah, yeah, yeah. basically you're holding a bonk size <laughs> deep fried friggin Chicken leg. Yeah. yeah, it's it's basically like gonna be a whole like rotisserie chicken, but just wing meat. Yeah, like a yardstick <laughs> of. I feel wing like you'd meat. have to like inject and baste the buffalo into it. I am. I'm sorry to introduce. I had just never considered ostrich buffalo wings before. Yeah, those are probably delicious. I know an ostrich egg has enough yolk and like like the actual egg consistent consistency is like 13 chicken eggs. So, I mean, if that math checks out... 13, that's a good number. Yeah, it is. And uh, imagine 13 wings on one bone. That's a... Yeah, I'm not sure the egg to bone ratio I didn't say it made sense. Yeah, I I don't have anything better to dispute it with. You know what? I like linear relationships. That would be nice. So I love it. All right, you can keep going. Well, perfect. Well, so let's go right into the the history of Pomola. So the history of Pomola is he resides on top of and inside the mountain. And the... Penobscot Indian tribes were forbidden from hiking the mountain and going to the summit or else Pomola would steal you into the mountain or he would kill you. One day... And they they were saying that, like, the mountain itself is like a giant wigwam. Is that... Correct. Is that right? Yeah, like the insides of the mountain, once you got to, like, the heart of the mountain, it's actually like a supposedly a cavern with, like, a beautiful, lush heaven-esque type land with a beautiful wigwam where there's venison aplenty and just everything you could ever want. Yeah. Like a haven of sorts. Yeah, venison aplenty. That basically sums it up. Venison aplenty. That's it. <laughs> everything you could ever want. Venison aplenty. There it is. I don't know if you name your episodes, but uh, venison aplenty <laughs> would, would be a good, good candidate. But yeah, so Pomola lives inside of the mountain, and if people try to scale his mountain, he would essentially just kill them he just wasn't having it or he would do something because he is the god of winter and thunder he would just cause some sort of crazy outlandish storm which especially in the north woods of maine a one foot two foot storm just it happens that's that's the north for you and kill them uh when, when he's killed them does he like does he use like storm powers and like just like snap freeze somebody with a blizzard and then hit them with lightning strikes so they just fall apart or is he just like gore them with the whores i think the horns it's probably and the big talons it's probably dealer's choice we did it the same way every time it'd probably get boring yeah so my guess is it's what he's feeling that day you know all right <laughs> but uh but yeah as the as the story goes uh one day the europeans were coming up through new england as they do and they came up to the base of mount katahdin and they had talked to the penobscot indians saying hey we would like to go to the top and the indians it's a tall mountain isn't it <laughs> exactly yeah and they were like nope you're not allowed up there they, they were very vehemently against you cannot go to the top you will absolutely be murdered by the god Pomola. This reminds me a little bit about, you know, Uluru, like Ayers Rock in Australia. No, I don't. Like the, when you, whenever you see, uh, like, you, I know you see the rescuers down under. Yeah. Where they have the big ass orange rock. Yep. I'm not 100% up on my aboriginal lore, but I know that you, I don't think you can climb 
Uluru anymore because it's like a sacred religious site to them. And I'm, I'm wondering if they have some kind of similar like mountain deity there that also kills you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would assume. I feel like it's very common of just like, you know, Native American or in that case, Native Australian tribe. Hey, don't go up there because something's going to kill you. And uh, and let's sacrifice stuff to it. By the way, that was also common to make sure that they didn't kill them at the base of the Mount Katahdin. They would just casually sacrifice a child here or there, which is a neat feature. As you do. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do something, you might as well. You know, it's what they want. But ultimately, the European settlers decided, hey... We want to go to the top regardless of what we're being told by these Native American guides. And they just went anyway. And the Native Americans were like, oh, get a load of these guys. They're, they're going to die. There's no way. Get a load of this guy, Cam. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, they're dead. Like, might as well write them off. And later on that day or whatever, the, the Native, the, uh, uh, sorry, the Europeans came down and were like, yeah, we went to the top. It was great. And... That was it. What and, of it? <laughs> yeah, and they just left. I mean, that was the last part of them in the whole story. They came there, they debunked their entire, you know, belief system and just peaced out. And so they came to the conclusion, hey, let's send someone to the top because clearly we can do this. So they sent a man to the top and on his way up, all of a sudden a huge winter storm started and like a foot or two feet of snow came and he knew this was in response to them letting these European settlers Go summit. Do you think this was like actually in winter or was it like a freak storm in the middle of like April? I, I, I want to say it was something along the lines of like, hey, it was summertime. Yeah, I feel like fine. it was out of character. Right. Kinda. We're in October, but we're at elevation and the stars aligned and we had a killer storm. But the guy's sitting there. He's stuck in the storm. He knows this Native American knows he's going to die. And he tries something that no one had talked about before. He started calling out to Pomola saying, essentially, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I even tried this. You're right. You are God. Then he sacrificed, I believe it was fats and oils to him and burned them. And Pomola came down and... The ostrich ostrich wing bath just dumped it on the mountain. <laughs> the fat and the oil. Yep. Just brought him right down to the fire and... Pomola essentially was like, look, I really appreciate you understanding that you're in the wrong here. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to take you back to my house in the mountain and I'll save you. And so snap of his fingers or of his hooves. It didn't really talk about wingtips. Yeah, he didn't really talk about like what his hands looked like. So I don't know if he like phalanges. He's got scorpion hands. He's got hands that are individual hooves or something. They didn't talk just about like, that. Just a five-fingered hand that has like four like donkey legs on it <laughs> that like click, <laughs> click together. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he snaps whatever appendage he has and then bam they're all of a sudden inside this mountain where this, you know, this wigwam is and in there is Pomola along with Pomola's wife and uh, all of Pomola's family are just humans. They're not like other moose people. They're regular people. So he has a wife. He Bit a, of a disappointment. Yeah, no, you'd think there'd be a little more to that. But no, he just, just stole some wench. and uh, Everybody's got a type. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? So stole a woman is what it is. His family, his wife, his daughter, and his son are there. And they tell, uh, and Pomola tells this Native American, I'll tell you what, I need you to stay here for an entire year. And you need to marry my my." You need to marry my marry daughter. My wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pomola is a cuck. Oh, you just wait. <laughs> but you need to marry my daughter in that time. So 
He marries the daughter, stays there for a year, and after a year, Pomola says, you can go back to your city and tell them where you've been. You can come back to the mountain at any time, come visit your wife, which is his daughter. Uh, Keep in mind, he's well known for just killing people all the time, so this is a very reasonable request. Just don't get remarried when you're back at your tribe. Just, you know, stay married to my daughter, but you can come and go as you pleased. So the Native American goes back to his tribe, says, hey guys, I know I've been gone for a year. This is what happened. Pomola is real. I got married. And uh, immediately the tribe's like, oh, we're so glad you're back. Well, uh, Debbie over here isn't married. And like, well, I don't want to get married. I, I promised the giant moose god that i wouldn't get married the murderous moose god the murderous the moose god that i wouldn't get married I, th- I think i'm gonna have to pass but yeah i don't know what they possibly said to him to convince Dude, this him this is gonna be so funny we gotta convince what's his name i don't think it had a name stanley we gotta convince stanley, stanley. <laughs> we gotta... tall stanley we gotta convince stanley we just gotta convince him to get married and yeah, they did it like whatever, like days later, he's getting married to this unwed Penobscot Indian, although he just left his wife <laughs> and murderous God. And he didn't leave his wife in the sense that like, consider this a divorce. He left his wife as in like, he walked away. Bye, honey. I'll see you next week. Right. Like he, he was allowed to come back. Like they were cool. Like this, <laughs> he was, you know, his father-in-law, the murderous, you know, Moose God of Thunder. Moose God of Thunder was in his pocket, but no, he had to marry friggin' Debbie or whatever this Native American's name was. And then as soon as they got married, snap of the fingers, bam, he got transitioned right back to the mountain, right back to the wigwam to live the rest of his days. However, this isn't where the story ends. So later on, the Native (laughs) Americans realize, oh crap, I think that the Native American is gone now because he got remarried. Stanley, thank you. I think Stanley's gone now because he got remarried. Probably we shouldn't have done that. And then Debbie was all angry and Pomola showed himself to her and was essentially like, hey, you, you are the married woman that Stanley left. It's basically like the space balls. I am your husband's wife's father. <laughs> so so what does that make us? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But yeah, so Pomola goes to the other woman, grabs her, and brings her back to the wigwam in the mountain and impregnates her. Then it's a party. Right. So now you've got... Think of the family dynamic here. You've got the wife of Pomola. You've got the two kids of Pomola. You've got the husband of Pomola's you have Stanley, who is the husband of the daughter of Pomola, and now the other woman is here, and Pomola's banging this other woman and impregnates her. And it's the same rule, you gotta stay here for a year. And Wigmoam's pretty sure they only got one room. Yeah, it's one, it's one cylindrical, or whatever you want to call that. Like, I don't know, it's one Half room. Spherical. So I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of moose noises happening when everyone just wants to sleep. What does a moose sound like? Like a, do you want to know like a moose mating call? Yeah. That's the noise. That's My the uncle noise. would always be like, ah, ah. That's, so that's, that's a bull. That's a bull. That's a bull? I made, I made the cow noise. Oh. Yeah. And then, the, yeah. Oh, oh, ah, oh. <laughs> So a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of that happening. Uh, so the other woman, Debbie, gets, you know, in this case, is what we've named her, uh, gets impregnated. After a year, she goes back out to her tribe. Same rule. You just, you just can't get married. After a year? What's, After, what's the gestation period? Nine months. 
So, so she had a kid in the wig. So she had the kid. Okay. The kid exists. Sorry, yeah. The, the, the kid. The kid have antlers or like what? Nope. Just so no. But the kid does have something a little unique. So because it's <laughs> Pomola's son, he gives the kid this ability with his right index finger. All he has to do is point at something with his right index finger, and it dies instantly. So the woman comes back. Hey. Yeah. No. This kid Fonzies and blows up everything. So the the woman comes back and has the son says, "I am." With Pomola's son, and uh, we're here to be with the tribe. She actually raises the kid up to adulthood, where they lived a very lush life because all they had to do if they were hungry was, hey, look, there's a deer, and the kid would just point at it, and they just walk over and grab the corpse, because at the end of the day, there was no real hunting. You're just like, oh, look, a moose. Boop. All right, you put it's it down. It's like when Cyclops takes his shades off. He's like, look at the geese, mommy. Yeah, no, he just... Just, <laughs> just laser beams them. Just shuts them off. Um... And then after he becomes a man, his mother meets another Penobscot Indian man. And although once before it happened, it happens again. She decides to remarry, even though the god of murderous thunder and winters has told her not to. So where's Stanley in all this? He's just back at the wigwam chilling. So he's with his first wife still, presumably? He's with his first wife, would be. I don't, it didn't yeah. say what. I, I, imagine, mean, I imagine she's got him on a short leash Probably <laughs> not as pleased as it was after post-marital bliss, I would imagine. Uh, but yeah, so Debbie, the other woman and son of Pomola and and mother of Pomola's son. It's a very complicated family wreath. It is. Uh, they both, the son and Debbie, get transported back to the wigwam. And when they get there... The son has never seen Pomola before. And in terror, he looks at Pomola, points at him and goes, oh my gosh, or something of that nature. Insert. How big is Pomola? Are we talking like a seven foot tall big guy? Are we talking like 30 foot Titan? From my understanding, it's sort of like one of those like 15, 20 foot like deity. Like he's big. He's a, he's a very demigod. Just huge. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the kid points at him to be like, oh my God. Look at that thing, because he's never seen it before. Points at this demigod, iced him, dead. Game over. And so, yeah, just kills his father, unbeknownst to him. But because of this, Pomola now being dead, everyone can now hike Katahdin up to the summit without worry. Now, the lore is supposedly inside the heart of the mountain because they are... The prisoners of gods, a prisoner of the god Pomola. Pomola being dead, there's still this wigwam with this non-traditional family just living there for the rest of their days. A nice way to put it. I'm not yeah. sure how you'd put it. You know, there's a lot of a lot of names for you know nuclear family, etc. I don't know what you'd call moose sexed family. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're all supposedly still there, and uh, there's always the. The lore of, to this day, he could come back because he's a god and any bad weather up on Katahdin while you're actively hiking is because of him. There you have it, Moose Titans. That pretty much wraps that one up, right? Yeah, no, that's basically if you just wanted the spark notes and skip to this point, there's a god. No he's... skipping. No, yeah, no, no skipping. Yeah, there's a god. He's angry. Things turn out good. Things turn out bad. His son accidentally kills him. But now we can hike at Todd and take selfies. So go team. I love it. So that is not the only spooky, crazy thing that's going on in Maine. I have a quick, like, personal story that I wanted to share. I was going to bring this up on some other episode, but it feels like the right time to do it. And I had heard... Have you ever heard of, like, the Maine taxi driver, like, stories? No, I haven't. There was this guy, and I don't know if it was on the X board on 4chan or some other disgusting corner of the internet, but this guy was a taxi driver up Maine, and 
he basically wrote out all these like weird stories. Maybe I'll I'll do like a whole like mini episode on that at one point because they're really interesting. I remember one time he picked up some like hippie looking chick from an airport and she's just like take me to this location and it's just like some random clearing in the middle of the woods and there's some giant bonfire and are you the key master (laughs) (laughs) some giant bonfire and screaming and he's like yeah you need me you need me to help you uh carry your luggage over there you're good man ma'am but anyway there is a lot of like weirdness that goes on on main highways and not the least of which is the big chug like 95 and 295 stretching basically the length of the state, right? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the times going up to Orono where we both went to school, it, sometimes it's I don't know if it's drowsy driving or something, but you sometimes you see weird things on the road, but this one was I had had an energy drink, so I was on it and I am driving by I think this was up past past Augusta, but before Bangor, which I guess makes sense given that drive, because there's a good stretch of just, like, woods there. It's like 100 miles. Yeah. yeah. And I see flashing lights, like cop lights, but slow-moving cop lights, like the old-timey rotational siren lights, you know what I mean? Not just the flashy ones that they put on all the Ford, what are they, Explorers that all the cops yep. drive? Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of weird. So I slow down a little, as you do when you see cop lights, and I get up to where it is, and I see the the, the cop car is a 1950s Hudson Hornet or something. <laughs> like, some kind of old-ass classic car. The car he's pulling over is, like, an old-ass... Like, equally old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... And it was right at twilight, so it wasn't so dark that I couldn't see anything, but it also wasn't super bright out or any, anything like that. And slow down while I'm going, and slow down, keeping in mind this is a 70 mile per hour highway, so I'm only going so slow. But the the cop is wearing the pleated blue pants and the old timey uniform. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, is this some kind of movie set cosplay prostitute thing going on or, or what what's happening here? Some Andy Griffith rerun. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It looked exactly <laughs> like that. You hear this a lot of the times with like men in black stuff where they'll have like a super old car, but it's an old car, but it looks brand new. Yep. You know what I mean? Where like the, a lot of the, I, I think I might've touched on this a little bit in the, the men in black and Portsmouth episode. And we're, we're going to talk more of the men in black some other time, but a lot of times they'll show up in a pristine, like black SUV, but from like 30 years ago. Oh, this is what the government cars look like last time we were here in this like sector of the galaxy or whatever so that's what we're gonna so it was was almost like that but it it, i don't know i just bring that up because i think about the men in black a lot but this weird old-timey pullover scene and as i drove by it i'm like that's weird as hell and as i'm driving by i'm looking past it as as i go and then i look forward you know to do my c patterns like uh what was the driver's ed guy that Boyd. 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 Yeah. Trees have roots. So I look at my, my gas and my speedometer and not the windshield and stuff. And then I look up in the mirror, the rear view mirror in the in the middle of the windshield there and just nothing. They're d- completely gone. Yeah. So that is kind of a fun one. That is like a personal story of mine up here in the wilds of Maine. But I want to go into one that is a little bit more well-documented than some random thing I saw while I may or may not have been sleep-deprived. And this is the legendary Spectre Moose of Maine. So this tale begins in 1891 when a dude 
by the name of Clarence Duffy. And I, th I see Clarence Duffy and I immediately think like, this is a person that was originally a golden retriever that got turned into a person by a witch. <laughs> like, I don't, there's something about that name that's just like a very pompous, kind of silly person, but he's, he's probably just like a good old Maine boy. He was an old town resident who cited this M-O-U-S, the moose of unusual size. And moose are already fucking big. And I'm sure you can attest to this too. So, like, for reference, and this is interesting, because all the references I could find on moose, moose, meese, mooses, whatever, whatever you wanted. Moose is correct, meese, you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> meese is just a dumb, like, bit from, like, 30 years ago. They, they're, all the references I have for them are talking about their height at the shoulder. So, they're, like, five to seven feet at the shoulder on average, with the largest ever hunted on record, apparently, was, like, seven foot eight at the shoulder. So, wh what do you think it? Above the shoulder. Is that like another two feet? Maybe top of the head? Oh, to the top of the head. You're not talking anything about the rack, though. So if yeah. you're talking the shoulder plus the head plus the antlers. Yeah, it's that, another like, like four three, to five feet. Like, three, four, five feet. Yeah, I mean, especially if you get into. So there's different subspecies of moose. Yeah, they got the big old ones in Alaska. Yeah, the, the Alaskan moose are, are enormous. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing that really probably stands out. So you take a standard moose between a cow and a bull moose which is, you know, boy or girl moose, you're talking 1,000 to 1,200 pounds. So if you take, well, how big was the specter moose? Do you know? Yes, yeah, so I'm getting to that. But I think it was like 10 to 15 feet high. So it's almost Jeez. like double the size of the average, not even double size of the average moose. It's like double the size of a fairly large the moose. The largest and, moose, and, yeah. Yeah, the uh, moose are pretty gigantic i don't know if you've ever seen one i obviously you've seen one but i'm kind of speaking to the yeah. listener here that biggest one that was the seven foot eight one not the spectral moose which we'll get into a little bit more was like 1800 pounds on average they're like 500 to a thousand pounds and then there's unverified claims of like 2600 pounders up in alaska that would be stuff. enormous yeah, yeah and that would be gigantic and that's still a small fry compared to this specter moose right and so the specter moose if it's like a linear relationship like we were talking about before you're talking a 3500 to a 4000 pound moose a two-ton moose yeah it's it's absolutely incredible it's just bonkers and like in I, I mean i can i can spit out those numbers all day but like in practical terms like we were talking earlier about how much meat is on an animal for like eating yep and what would you say it was like a third? Yeah. So the rule of thumb is for any animal, obviously it changes from mammal to mammal, but it's essentially a third. So about a thir two thirds of it are the bones and hide and fats and stuff that you peel gristle. away. The gristle. Yes. So about one third of any animal is roughly the amount of meat you get. So for instance, if you have a hundred pound animal, you're going to get 33.3 pounds of pure meat well, in the freezer. The decimals into it. I love it. Yeah, my grandpa shot a moose and that was before he passed in 2008. And we were still eating that one moose in like moose stroganoff in as late as like 2017. Absolutely. It, because it was just stayed good in the freezer. It was still delicious. Like... 10 years later, a moose stroganoff. Now that is a sight. You know Pomola was up there cranking his feathered hog up in, in the mountain there. Have you ever heard the cow joke? No. What do you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef. Lean beef. What yeah. do you call a cow? I, I had it. I was going to say What do you call second. a cow with no legs? Ground beef. What do you call a cow who's masturbating? Beef, beef stroganoff. stroganoff. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
There it is. Bring it all back, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you call a deer with no eyes? I got no idea. No idea. <laughs> what do you call the cross between an elephant and a rhino? Elephino. Elephino, yeah. <laughs> what do you call a deer with no eyes and no legs? I don't know. Still no idea. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> what do you call a deer with no eyes, no legs, and no genitals? Still no idea. A victim of the UFO cattle mutilation program. And also still no fucking idea. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on the dewlap? The dewlap? Yeah, a little... little dangler it's very soft yeah so the if you if you haven't seen a moose which i i don't really know how to like do we need to describe a moose like if you're way out in china you've never seen a moose or something it's like a google it bi- yeah google <laughs> it's like a big weird donkey it's on spindly legs it's, it's got the antlers. largest largest mammal sorry the largest member of the deer family so it's cervids. a cervid so you have, you have deer you have elk you have caribou you have moose moose are the biggest member of that family and uh yeah yeah they're big and they're they are messed up if you hit them with a car because they have these long long spindly legs so if you hit them while they're crossing the highway or whatever the legs just collapse so you have like 800 pounds of meat going through your windshield like and a thousand pounds yeah. yeah it's not it's not you good. die yeah it's, is it's how that good. ends you ever seen those like how do you what are your thoughts on like ancient megafauna in north america i think they're really cool like megatherium that's like the big sloth the giant sloths yeah burrow have you seen the elk one no (laughs) that might be what this moose this spectral moose is because it's like a a 15 foot elk that would just chill back in the the ice age yeah i'll um I'll have to look into that. I, I want to do something on megafauna of North America. I don't even know if it ties into the show. It's just like just something that I think is cool. Just and fun it, facts. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, if you have a crow that's 12 foot across, I, I think that qualifies as a nightmare. Right. They'll rip you to pieces. I mean, even stuff like there was a giant beaver in North America that was essentially the size of a modern grizzly bear. Yeah. And that thing would, I assume, just hammer forests. I mean, an average beaver wearing like 20, 30 pounds can cut down giant trees, something that big. I mean... You're done. Yeah, have you have you heard the there's a couple of different like theories about how like the animals grew that big back in the day and there's I think it's like the higher oxygen content of the prehistoric air that, you know, allows stuff to grow much and much bigger. This is like a totally unrelated tangent. Well, it's kind of related tangent. You know, it allows the plants to grow much bigger. This is the same reason that the dinosaurs could get as big as they were and and all that stuff. But there's also I've also like read um I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory because it's not really... There weren't any humans alive to kind of perpetrate this conspiracy, so to speak. But I don't I don't really know what else to call it. But it's just like a weird hidden aspect of history that... Or prehistory, rather, that like the Earth's gravitational field was less back in the day. Ba- back in the day. Um, back in like the Triassic and stuff because if you look at the physics it's kind of like the bumblebee like if you look at a bumblebee a bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly or whatever but it does I just kind of disproved my own point a little bit but if you look at these dinosaur skeletons and megafauna skeletons and stuff the way we have them set up they shouldn't 
technically even be able to like stand up and move around a lot of the time based off the physics yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so it's it's kind of interesting maybe i'll get into that i've um, definitely heard the oxygen theory which makes sense the lack of gravity doesn't make sense to me because mass there, it was, is mass yeah but it was like, some weird like magnetic pole shift thing i'd have to look into it i heard it in passing a long time ago but it was pretty interesting and I, we might get into some even weirder stuff later on in the show but anyways, what I was getting at is the moose have this, like, a turkey's kind of got a similar thing where they have the, like, gobbler dangling mm-hmm. down where a moose has, like, this extra chin fl- nutsack hanging <laughs> off of its... It's an extra flap of skin that goes from their chin down to about just above the center of their chest. And, yeah, it dangles and is usually a darker color. Almost, imagine it almost like a section of a lion's mane, like a male lion's <clears> mane, <throat> how that makes them seem so much bigger. It's kind of like that, where a, a male moose will have a giant set of antlers. Is it only males that have them? Or? Females have them, but to okay. a smaller extent. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, common. Same thing with, like, mountain goats and stuff like that. They all have horns, but, like, right. the males have just enormous ones. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Do you think Pomola had a big old dewlap slapping around? Big swinging dewlap. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And I was looking up stuff about this when I was looking up stuff about moose. And it's just like, yeah, we don't really know what that's for. What it does. Just do. Some people, it just do lap. It just do. It just do lap. Um, (laughs) Some people were saying that like it might have some like thermoregulating thing where it's just, I don't know, you keep an ice pack in there. Yeah, I've heard that too. It's like extra basically square inches of skin to dissipate heat i have heard that before yeah i guess that makes sense i think it's really just so that when they get out of the water they have a little bit of extra dramatic drip to just look i've heard that i've also heard like back in the day like you know like wolves and things of that nature will go for an animal's throat and that was basically a sacrificial chunk of skin that makes sense too so like essentially you know a moose uh, sorry a, a wolf or a bear or whatever would go to attack a moose and it gets a big chunk of that dewlap and rips it off and although it's probably gonna hurt and tasty i, I assume but it's just straight straight skin but uh but you know the moose will live because that could rip away type thing i've heard that too yeah it's kind of like um like hounds and stuff where they have a really floppy skin extra they skin go, yeah just so they keep you just get a bite full of skin. Anyways, that was a whole fun way to derail the show. Anywho. <laughs> so that was in 1891 that uh, Clarence Duffy, the human golden retriever, saw the this giant 10 to 15 foot tall, like pale white moose. And it wasn't just pale white. It was alabaster alabaster is a good word and it's uh it was glowing it had like a slight bio a a bioluminescence to it maybe not necessarily a bioluminescence more of like a ghostly aura but yeah and and he goes back to the bar and he, he starts telling people about this moose that i saw was the most unbelievable creature that i've ever seen you know it was this big what does that sound like in in like manor uh you guys should have friggin' seen this big moose we saw up the hold up road. Friggin' thing came up over the bend and got in this goddamn thing about stove up the truck. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But as time went on, like later that year, a few more people saw this giant moose up in up in Maine, around the area, around like Katahdin and south as well like, like towards like bangor jackman stuff. the forks yeah places old, like that yeah my main geography is pretty bad because I, I grew up in kittery which is like the very bottom point of maine and 
if it's just at the point of the state, you know, everywhere you got to go is up north. So it, I don't know if it falls apart for me. I'm sure you know it better than I do. So they were thinking that Clarence was just a insane, you know, drunk dog, but... Or just another guy telling a hunting story. Yeah, it's like the fish was this freaking big bub. But as more and more people came to see the creature fleetingly, like, either just walking through the trees. And that's another thing. Like, I've seen moose in Sweden, and watching them walk through the trees is just something else. Where they've got... How big did you say their, like, antlers were, like like wingspan wise why like, uh, you know random number we'll say four feet yeah yeah and the when most people go hiking and stuff they go on trails that are pretty well cleared off or whatever but these moose will go through these dense dense areas of forest and just not make a sound and just seem to weave between just the trees even through. though they're the size of like a forest elephant almost and it is it is something incredible to see we always see them up in sweden i've only seen a couple of moose in maine but it it is really a pretty spectacular sight it's pretty amazing to see a lot of different so uh, i was up tracking deer up through the mountains of uh, like the western mountains of maine and uh, basically i was up through the Rangeley mountain areas and I was tracking a deer a pretty good sized buck and uh it pushed through this area that I couldn't I could not get through and this thing must have been at least 200 pounds and probably a 10 point rack which everyone is a point you think it would snag against everything let alone a moose yeah and the the points are like the how many tips they have on each of their horns right like like the tip so you have five tips on each side and it went right through it like it wasn't even there and I couldn't even worm my way through it. So let alone a moose, probably four times the size, and they just weasel with their way through like it's nothing. Yeah, it is It is pretty spectacular to see. And that, that might give some of the, lend some credence, I guess, to some of this other stuff. Like later on, we'll talk about how people were saying this thing was just walking through solid objects and stuff. It is. It is pretty cool. So people would see it. There was this one hunter from... New York that had come up and they didn't give his name because he was probably afraid to give his name given the story but uh he saw the moose that he took a shot at he tried to unload like five slugs into the thing and it just kind of glowered at him and glared and uh I don't know if it would have like put its head down to get ready to charge or whatever but it was pretty much unfazed by all the the bullets and slugs and he's just like I am getting the fuck out of here and he went into a bear cave to hide for an hour which is just like I'm going to hide from the moose by going and hanging with the bears. Yeah. <laughs> That's the better alternative. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. So that, I don't know if it was just some like New York yuppie that was up there and, you know, was just like, oh, I'm going to go into this cave and just saw a standard moose and was like, it was 15 feet tall. Yeah. Like, and and you see that a lot too. If you look at like Loch Ness Monster documentaries and stuff, they'll, they'll put out like a log on the water. The Whatcast was talking about this a little while ago, where they had, like, I don't remember the guy's name, some, like, famous skeptic, but they have a log out on the water, and they just have 20 people coming. How long is that log? And it's, like, an 18-foot log, and people gave everything from, like, 3 to 50 feet. <laughs> so, like, people's perceptions can be off. The depth perception is a bitch, yeah. But there's, there's some more sightings in here that really make me not want to just write this story off. It was seen again in 1895 for just a little bit, and then 1899, fleetingly. In 99, this hunting party saw it as a 22-point moose, and I, it's, 
on one one side. They That's said they a made lot. It. Yeah, <laughs> seems like bullshit. I don't know much about that. Uh, apparently, it's usually what eight to twelve yeah, points on a on a side on a, a on a bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't even know how the the antlers really grow to separate into points, but that's that's getting into some biology territory there that we don't need to really go down unless you have some interesting. No, not really. The only thing to point out is by points, it's not like, you know, you're not playing a video game and earning points. It's literally the pokey points, like the the literal points of the antler is what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I thought that I originally when I first heard the term when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that must be some like correlation to weight to like, right. oh, if you put it on the scale, it's worth 50 points. Uh, but yeah, it, it Right, it's just like that's exactly as dumb as it sounds. Hunters are a simpler folk. Yeah. They're, oh, there's 14 pointy things. It's a 14 pointer. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, like I said before, 10 to 15 feet tall, absolutely dwarfing these other mooses. And this is kind of like this. You keep hearing this, and it's 1891 to 99 now that it's being seen repeatedly. How do you know how long they live out in the wild? A moose. Yeah. I think it's something like twelve years. I might be wrong. Really? Though. That that's like right. like un un like encumbered preyed upon and, by yeah wolves or well, you. Well, yeah. Well, everything in nature dies a horrible death. Like you know, newsflash: nothing dies like you think it would in Bambi, where they just curl up and everything's peaceful. You know what happens is they usually get sick. Every then... moose dies. Not every moose really lives. <laughs> exactly. Freedom. <laughs> But, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's something like 12 years, but I could be wrong. Yeah. So I, I like can't emphasize that size enough. Like 10 to 15 feet doesn't really sound like a lot, but think of like your average six foot person and, and picture that almost three times as high and then extrapolate that to the, the meat of the moose. And it's basically like a fucking Godzilla kaiju moose. That would be fun. I don't know if Godzilla ever just fought like, any, like, mammal. I feel like it was mostly reptilians, like, with the... Remember, I would always make you wish to watch the, like, Mystery Science Theater, like, Godzilla yeah. ones, where yeah. was, like, fighting Gamera, the turtle, and all that stuff. Mothra, like, 27 times. Yeah, yeah. Mothra is definitely a, a repeat guest. You play your cards right, maybe you could be, too. <laughs> um, there's another funny sighting where... This, I don't remember what year, this might have been in 99 or like 1901, it might have been like early 1900s, but this guy was just like going for a bike ride, and he saw the moose, again, 15 feet tall, effervescent, alabaster, like... Just a specimen. Divine. Rippling. Creature. Yeah, like the the most luxurious dewlap you have ever seen. <laughs> and uh, the moose just started putting his head down and making... What was it? Oh, oh. Oh, it really did. Which that's a mating call. So if that thing puts its head down, so it's making that that dude on a bike better friggin' pedal because that yeah. thing's gonna lay pipe. Yeah. So <laughs> the do Um, so he he ended up climbing up a tree, and then the moose just kind of like grabbed the bike in its teeth and threw it, and then like walked off. And apparently, the moose also had superpower. Like I talked about this a second ago, where it could apparently walk through objects and stuff. But I, I've pretty much covered them all intermittently throughout the the story where it was glowing which i i don't know if that's necessarily a good super it's interesting 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're an anglerfish, it's it's cool. If anything, it's a hindrance because if you're glowing in the middle of the woods, every predator is gonna be like, "I'm gonna go kill that." It's a good thing it's a giant moose. Yeah, I was gonna say, I would be like, super yeah, dead. Oh, oh, I'm gonna go kill that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just you can't see this, but I just looked up. <laughs> um, it's if we pull that, this off, we eat like kings. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, a couple of wolverine. I bet wolverines could. Dude, do a wolverine it. could do it. They're freaking nasty. They, yeah, we see them over in Sweden too. We saw them in the zoo where they just like they're little fucking creatures, but they'll rip up anything. Oh yeah, they're crazy. Any any weasel is just ridiculous. Yeah, you were showing. Was that a weasel you were showing me earlier? That yeah. So I had a ripped fa- apart. <laughs> I had a five hundred chickens. I had a farmer who called me because uh, there was a um. A mink, which is probably 14 inches long, probably about the width of a golf ball. But weasels do this thing where they get a bloodlust. There's a term for it. I can't remember. But essentially, if they get a surplus of animals to kill, they can't help themselves but kill all of them. Frenzy. Just, just at, yeah, absolutely. So the farmer called 50 me. 50 chickens go into the coop. 12 come out the the horrifying thing was they had a uh they had a webcam and so they you know they called me and said hey it's killed i think at the time it was 15 chickens so i went and set traps whatever and uh after this point and the thing got in so interesting also about weasels they can collapse to a third their body size so it was getting into a hole the size of like the end of your pinky collapsing its whole skeletal structure pushing through and then just massacring chickens so either way i ended up trapping it and i uh, scun it and tanned it so now i have it as like a nice soft thing that my two-year-old son likes to pet but uh yeah it killed 24 chickens <laughs> yeah they caught it all on camera too that's horrifying yep so he was the glowing he was incorporeal he could walk through objects and and sometimes just like disappear like, people just would be vanish. looking at it, they'd look away and look back, and it was just gone. And like 50 Cent, it was, of course, bulletproof. Um, That's a great album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, unlike 50 Cent, white. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> different, different for sure in that aspect. But yeah, you, you have all these stories of people actually encountering it on hunts and just laying into the damn thing. And it just, like, shrugs it off or doesn't care. I, I imagine that at one point it did the Matrix thing where it just kind of stopped all the bullets in the waved its dewlap around, stopped all the bullets in the air, and then they just dropped to the ground. But it's just an incredible creature in its own right with all this stuff. And there's the obvious skeptic answer to this is it's an albino. Which, sure, it's white. That That much makes sense. That's a good call. But it's too small. It doesn't explain literally any other part of this. It's like, okay, the moose is white. That is literally the least weird part. No, that's pretty common. There's fairly, you know, common enough. I should. It's more common than being 14 feet tall and being able to vanish. I guess I should say. And and bulletproof. Yeah, Yeah, probably. And probably, I'm sure it has some kind of telekinesis too. Because why the fuck not? These things always might as well be able to control minds. Fuck it. But yeah, being albino doesn't explain literally any other part of this. And one thing that's kind of interesting is the population of albinos out in nature, like with animals and stuff, is almost always decreasing. It's like a recessive trait and it's linked to eyesight. Like that's why a lot of you'll see the red eyes and stuff. And interestingly, there's no mention of the red eyes in any of these cases. So that's another thing. But because those two traits are linked, most of the albino ones don't survive as long in the wild and like you said yeah they're they're, they're shining more beacon for a predator a predator to go get it and then they and then in turn because their eyesight is not as good 
then they can't see the predator coming as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of melanistic? It's like the that's like the opposite. It's inverse. They all, they all yeah. end up like black. Yeah. What color eyes do they get? I don't know. I but no, yeah. So like I've seen that before. Like uh, pictures like a melanistic moose, yeah. and uh, when when there's a whole other tangent when cervids tangents are okay when cervids grow antlers they actually start as uh vel they call it velvet covered they aren't just bone and then they they form under the velvet they then strip the velvet and that's the white antlers and that's what they're always knocking their their antlers against the trees right because it gets apparently gets itchy and they're trying to scratch off that layer of velvet but it has color like their fur so there's a station of time with both albino and with melanistic where you just have this giant black 100% 100% black moose or 100% white moose or or deer or caribou or whatever out. Antlers and all. Yep. Very cool. You ever see the albino alligators? Yeah, they're terrifying. Yeah, just they're... alligators are just killing, literally killing machines. They are, they are crazy. They are an apex predator amongst... And they've just... Like we were talking about sturgeons earlier. Alligators are another one that have just been, you know, like... We didn't get them all right, but... uh this design just, it just works. Yeah, they just, you know, over time it shrunk a couple feet, but other than that... Because the gravity just, went up. Yeah, exactly. We turned the gravity dar up, and uh, that thing is just, just nuts. I don't know if you've, you've seen, watch like a David Attenborough special where, you know, a if zebra's you look just... at the fucking crocodile. <laughs> I would love to hear a... Like an unhinged David Attenborough. What we have here today is a crocodile. And motherfucker, he just (laughs) grabbed that zebra and tore him a new one. He's super dead. No conservation for that one. I'm David Attenborough. (laughs) Did, um... Did you ever see the albino deer at UMaine? Yeah, I did. I was on the bus and uh, we're just like on our way in. And in like the middle of the day in the... Because you couldn't hunt on campus like many campuses. Yeah, UMaine's on like a little bit of an island. On Marsh Island. And what is there, like 10,000 friggin' deer there? Yeah, because you can't... There was actually special permits to cull some of them because if you get too many animals in one area, you can cause disease. Uh, But anyway, in general, you can't hunt them. So yeah, they would just walk out because they had no predators and yeah, middle of the day, this thing's just chilling there with his other deer friends, sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah, very, very Harry Potter Patronus. I remember I saw it when I was like stumbling around after some party <laughs> at like four in the morning or something. You know, Your spirit like, animals just like go the fuck home. Like, yeah, literally, exactly. <laughs> you that. Need I to think sleep it was in like the, the parking lot <laughs> out in the in the middle, and it was like just under a streetlight, and all the other streetlights around it were out. And I think I still have it on my flip phone from because this was like freshman year, I think. And uh, I was just like, what the hell is that? It was just like this pure white deer. I didn't try and shoot it at the time, so I don't know if it was bulletproof like this one. I'm very happy to hear that you weren't pissed drunk at a college party just with packing. a gun ready to go yeah. to shoot an unexpected illegal to shoot deer. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of weird stuff that kind of went on at UMaine. You ever hear about like we talked about the like steam tunnels and stuff before? Yeah. You ever hear like I remember hearing about people that's like, oh yeah, we should go down. I heard about a student that went down into the steam tunnels and then they turned him on and boiled all his skin <laughs> off instantly. It's just like one of those. Oh, like, like that'd be com- way more publicized, but yeah, actually completely happened. whack. But also like slightly pause, plausible right. urban legend type things. In theory, if they did turn it on, it would absolutely boil skin off. So like it could, yeah, you know. it turned you into a pork rind. <laughs> um, 
And, like, obviously the master of horror himself, Stephen King, went to school there. I think he supposedly based The Shining off of one of the dorms there, but it's also based off of, what is it called, the, the Overlook Hotel? Is that is that right, dude? I think it changed names. Isn't that the, the, the University Motel now, or the University Hotel? No, well, the the hotel isn't on campus. It's out in, like, Colorado or oh, something. But totally, he, totally he, I think he got the original idea out in, like, Estherbrook, and then he saw this place, and he was like, oh, damn, that's it. He's like the anti-John Denver, speaking of Colorado. So Stephen King? Yeah. Just like... Does it take two people, like, with a mirror, like, with a line between them, just, like, happy Colorado, everything is perfect, and, like, dark demon, everything is evil. It's like, they are... You, you merge them together. The yeah, one... he, he's not great for a lot of the tourism. It's like, it's like most people think about Maine like way the heck out there, and they're like, oh, they have uh, they have Mises up there, I hear, and then and then like what else is like blueberries and lobsters? Yeah, blueberries and red hot dogs. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, red hot dogs, and then also Pet Cemetery. And like, just like the most harrowing. <laughs> Have you ever been to Shawshank? It's yeah, like, that's not a real place. Like, <laughs> I don't even know if that one was set. R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan. Oh man, mm. MCD. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, the ghost moose, the ins, the in, in, inspector, inspector moose. What would his gadgets be? You just have like a go, go. big throbbing doolap. What else do you need? <laughs> doolap. <laughs> Welcome to doolap. Such a perfect place. Um, <laughs> see, so he's seen again on and off throughout the early 1900s, all the way up through the 30s, and even beyond that. So this is one of the most compelling sightings that I have heard uh, in my research of this, and there's this guy named Houston. So this. The guy's name is Houston, which doesn't lend necessarily... I'm a, already skeptical. <laughs> ...a whole lot of credence to the story, considering he doesn't have a first or last name. I don't know Did if Did he wear a, a cowboy name. hat and say things like Tarnation? I, I would have I assume. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's an honor-bound society, just like the samurai, the cowboys. <laughs> also weird, because they're generally solitary, right? Correct. Most, they don't really... Cat, you know, the females will sometimes go and They'll have like a little pack, or, or, a little yeah, harem. But not, you're, you're not talking big giant family groups. Yeah, you're so. not having giant herds. You're not having elk. No, they're not like deer that way. Yeah, where you, another David Attenborough moment where they have the uh, the one where it's like hundreds and millions of... Like caribou or caribou something all moving like together. Moving through. It looks like a, a Shanghai fucking subway tunnel. But anyway, he had this... He was out in the woods and he saw this like small harem of cows... And like a bull, and then this other bull, which was the white moose. And you know what? Hats off to that other bull for even throwing his hat in the ring. He's a standard moose hanging out with a 14 foot giant moose. Well, so I was like, you know what? I can throw my I can scrap. hat in the ring. I can scrap. Why not? You know, give that kid of metal like shit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Where this other moose is apparently like a porting in and teleporting all over the place. Maybe he wasn't even like always there. He was just kind of a drifter moose. But they see a couple of the cows. And then you see a couple of feet higher, you see the the normal size or probably large bull. And then you have this this white spectral moose that stands like full head and shoulders above all the other ones. Another five or six feet above the head and shoulders. So this is super, I don't know if compelling is the right word, but it's super interesting because you see it literally 
juxtaposed with with other moose other moose another bull moose another cow moose um so it couldn't be that scenario with someone who's never seen a moose sees one for the first time like, that thing is that 30 thing must... feet tall right yeah so and, and this is a hunter and i i trust a man named just houston i guess just yeah walking around hunting with i assume a six shooter 44 because yeah because houston yeah and so he does the almost the exact same thing I did with my like weird time slip cop story from earlier where he's like what in the hell and he, he looks back and then the moose has just the ghost moose has just completely disappeared and the other ones are just kind of like looking around confused Did you shoot the other one? Yeah, I, I imagine so. I, I imagine he just like whipped out both of his guns <laughs> and just started and just hammering. So anyway, he started blasting. <laughs> Put meat in the freezer. But the the quote he says is he saw the white moose and it dwarfed the the other he said it quote it made them look like quote uh pygmy moose jeez and he, he did that double take and they were just gone and then there's this other story that's also like super interesting and it doesn't really fall in line with the rest of the tales there is a case where uh a group of hunters were out on like a hunting expedition or whatever and they did manage to bring it down i don't know if they just had like a fucking m60 right in the back of a toyota hunting with a freaking tank <laughs> yeah yeah the like taliban toyota hunt and um <laughs> just unloaded on this thing and it, the herculean creature just like finally falls to the ground probably leaves a giant crater and they they string it up and like slit its throat to drain its blood to skin it and dress it for is that like that's common yeah yeah that, that, is that what that's you do common. yeah you basically yeah, so, you hang it up you drain a little yeah yeah I, i've only been hunting like a couple of times so i don't i don't know all the ins and out and that is a stinky business it's isn't not it? dressing the you know dressing and skinning the moose i remember when you were doing that in college <laughs> and you'd come home we'd have to like pressure wash you down before was you got not, in the house it was you know admittedly good money though probably right yeah no i uh I, I had a job in college where this is the most main job ever you uh people would go moose hunting and they the guy would save the hides and then we'd soak them in lye and we'd rip the fur off so you just have like hunks of hide and i'd cut it into pieces so you could use it for lobster bait and uh yeah you sprinkle some blueberries is, and a pine cone on there i didn't know that you were using it for lobster bait that yeah. is the most main thing i've ever heard yeah I, I would walk in every day and throw up but that's actually how i saved up for my wife's engagement ring because the guy paid me under the table like 25 30 dollars an hour which yeah. was way more than i could make anywhere else so uh yeah my wife's has a blood diamond blood of moose so it is what it is yeah. i actually saved i'll show you after this down in the basement uh when he can't get moose skin he would get like cow hides and I did one and it still had the bull ring in its nose. So I cut the bull ring out and I have it in my basement as a reminder. <laughs> and that brings me to the great white ghost lobster of Maine. <laughs> He's that's delicious. That's interesting. I didn't know all the details there. Yeah, that was a really worth it. Worth it. Worth it. You've got a lovely wife. The most un OSHA friendly thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> oh, actually, a guy who was doing it with me got a splinter and almost had to have his finger removed. That's a real story because there's so much bacteria. Gristle and fucking. <laughs> Just maggots. Viscera. Ugh. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, that was disgusting. Anyway, if you're vegan, just pretend you didn't hear that. I guess. It's what they would have wanted. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll throw in a little disclaimer. Vegans ironically kill more things to make their tofu than I do to make my deer. All right. Well, just throwing that out. Let's there. not get political. With it. <laughs> that's not. That's facts. <laughs> <laughs>
different podcast. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> the so they string up this giant moose in a it must be a very sturdy tree, a stout oak. Yeah, yeah, and went and I imagine had a couple of beers and went to the fire to celebrate their great victory yeah, and cook up some tenderloins or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and enjoy the fruits of their labor while they were going to come home to their wives with like a, a white moose pimp coat. <laughs> uh, what is that? So while they're celebrating and being like, I cannot believe we killed the great ghost moose, who should come stomping through the camp but Mr. Slitthroat himself, unbound from his, what would you even call it? Not a mooring. I don't know what we're talking about. Where he's tied up in the tree. Oh, the moose was yeah. the thing that was coming? Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, that's, that's... Whatever. His, his dangling. His bounding. Yeah. yeah, his binding. And stumbles through the camp, still leaking blood everywhere. And he, the, what's interesting about this is he leaked the blood. Gimbal is the word. Gimbal. That hangs you up, hang you up in a tree, let you bleed a gimbal. Anyway, sorry. Mm. I'm Detective John Gimbal. <laughs> um, the moose leaves the blood on the ground, leaves, I was going to say paw prints, it leaves hoof prints in the like muck of the camp. So it's one of these cases where you have this like spectral creature and it's like, obviously they killed it. A lot of these other ones, you don't have any kind of like hair left at the scene. You don't have any sort of physical evidence whatsoever. You have a moose that is apparently bulletproof and looks at you and, and then vanishes. In this case, they had a moose that they brought down, blood and all, and they had hair and they had meat. hoof prints and they had... I don't think they had meat because I don't think they like... They didn't actually cut into it to cook. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they cut it. They just like let it sit out. The, but it just got up. It was like, I'll be back. And um, walked through the camp. And then they just started unloading on it again and it... <laughs> I pres this is presumably when it did the Neo thing and had all the bullets dropped to the ground. But yeah, they, they looked where the gimbal was and the, the creature was completely gone when they they went the next morning and he's just running away from the camp. Humming, I'm still standing. Um, <laughs> Good song. Yeah. So or, or like Ice Cube's I Don't Give a Fuck. Just yeah. <laughs> one or the other. Yeah. Depending on his music genre. Yeah. Today was a good day. Didn't have to use my doolap. That's why I don't rap. There's all these sightings over like a period of a hundred years at least. Was it just a genetic mutation? And it's just every time you would see these like super sturdy albino. Maybe they were just missing the shooting. But it's just like over that long of a time period and that many sightings, you know, is it just unnatural phenomena or is it some like avatar of pomola or just some other like spirit protector of the wild because you see this in so many cultures you see this out west you see this in australia you see in africa there's all these like animal spirits in any kind of like animistic religion that will show up and just be the defender of the forest and i don't know if it was going around goring people except that guy on the bike but oh, screw that guy but yeah i i don't i'm not sure what to make of it i think it's I think it's interesting and I think there's enough of it to not like completely write it off. And even if it is like, I, and what we were talking about earlier with the megafauna stuff, I think that might be an interesting, like, I mean, you you talk about like a bear and people will shoot a bear and they're just basically bulletproof unless you have the right, right. If you don't, like if you, caliber or whatever. If you don't have the right kind of rifle, you're just going to piss it off. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and I, I'm just, this is just off the cuff. I was just going to sign off on like, is this a nice forest spirit? What if this is like a relic population of the, um, please hold. 
this. What if this is a megafauna relic population of like the Megaloceros, which is just the extinct megafauna moose that just, just the super moose. Yeah, the super moose that just hangs out. Maybe it's just chilling in the wigwam. Yeah, is in that you know maybe it's you know there's... it's like it's like a journey to not a journey to the center. Yeah, I guess that applies. But like, did you see the new like King Kong? No, like, I haven't. Kong versus God, where they go into the, like the Hollow Earth, and there's that's where all the King Kongs live and stuff. It's maybe underneath Mount Katahdin, there's a megafauna paradise. That's how they get all the venison, the boundless that's it. venison. They're hunting these megaloceros. There's just piles of these bad Larrys. Hanging I like out. it. I think that's my final verdict. Done and. It's not like all we have of them is skeletons and like cave drawings and they might have been white if it was during the ice age. Yeah. I mean, that's good that's camo. A, that's yeah. a good adaptation. Yep. Absolutely. That's, that's my final take. So what do you think? Are you going to, you going to go after this thing? Well, if they were pumping lead into it as much as they could, any rifle I have can kill a moose, but not a megaloceros. Megaloceros. Yeah. So... Probably not. Let that bad Larry keep going. Yeah, let him just, let him vibe. Yep. I think that's the, the best thing to do there. And you started telling me about a bit of a crazy Appalachian story. Sure. So let's let that one rip. We'll end on a really, what's the word I'm looking for? Zany. No, not zany. <laughs> I was going to say really well thought out, really well researched, and... A lot of sources. Yeah, very highly scientific sort of theory about the wilds of Maine and with greater impacts uh, implications on the world at large so let's let her rip what do you got all right so to, to back that up I heard this one time and I'm just gonna go for it I did zero research into it I just I, it just stuck with me but so this is actually a story about skinwalk this is a true story so this is 100 this, this is real life so you know get ready so this has to do all about skinwalkers. Skinwalkers is what happens when, when the dewlap of the megaloceros falls off and, and becomes sentient on its own. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so if you're not, not familiar with skinwalkers, I'm sure Eric will do a podcast all about them, but you can Google them real quick. Yeah, so uh, just to give like a quick rundown. So in a lot of Native American folklore and stuff, you have the idea of a skinwalker, which is uh, a shapeshifter. You see this in cultures all across the world and in most native american stories you have it's usually like a curse if you murder somebody in your family and consume their flesh if you do some of the most like evil deeds and this is the only way to gain this power kind of we were talking about patronuses earlier we're on a harry potter kick so like you know how he's sucking down on uh, a unicorn <laughs> unicorn <yeah>. dewlap there <laughs> It's a very universal term now that we're I, Yeah, it. I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Where it gives you like eternal life, but a cursed eternal life. It's kind of the same idea where you kill your sister and eat her, and then you can turn into a wolf. What kind Worth. of... Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's... <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a pluses and minuses. It's a pros and cons kind of thing. But what you also get interchangeably with like the more Native American folkloric interpretation of... The skinwalker that I just described, you also have what's used kind of interchangeably in like North American, like European settler folklore and everything kind of like brought from an amalgam of the people that were here before and kind of the legends from Europe and stuff that they saw out in the woods where you have more closer to like a Wendigo, which is kind of like another shapeshifter. This is like the weird stuff where you'll see like 
you go hiking with four people and then you turn around and there's five of you and one of them you know smells like blood and you're like why why who are who are you why are you there and then you all like just get killed by and, and, and now there's only three or two or something like yeah, that. And yeah and then you, you see the depictions of these guys like skeletal deer humanoid zombie dragon creature things this, making grudge noises yeah yeah where <sighs> yeah it literally it does the thing from like predator where it's like it's like there's something in the trees and then like here later there's something in the trees like where it like <laughs> modulates your voice and stuff but yeah, that's that's kind of I'll, I'll do like a deep dive on some Skinwalker stuff sometime in the future. But just for right, so that has to do with these thing. guys. So here's the story, but for the Skinwalkers. So for those who aren't aware, hundred percent true, hundred percent true. So the Appalachian Mountains, which is the eastern uh, eastern coast of the United States, is the mountain range that goes you know from south to north, from Georgia to Maine, is actually part of a larger original mountain range when Pangea, which is when all of the continents were one giant continent hundreds of thousands of years ago. I think this ago. one needs like an Alex Jones voice for part of this. The, the original mountains on Pangea, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so those are, that original chunk of mountains, which was the Scottish Highlands, the Appalachian Mountains, and the Atlas Mountains in Africa were all originally one mountain range. But after Pangaea broke apart, it became three separate ranges. So the story is, supposedly, aliens came down and saw that these skinwalkers, which were around during the Pangaea times, were essentially ruling the world. And they were, you could not have a, a sustainable life source on Earth that could essentially evolve into real sentient beings because these things were there. Yeah, think like the... It was basically the fucking flood yes. from Halo. Yeah, it was yeah, like that's a, a, perfect... a biological like cataclysm. Right, you know, like they aren't people, but they're their own monstrous things. So what they these aliens did is they put beacons... Maybe the, the like biblical flood... Was the flood? Was the like, was the flood. fucking halo flood? <laughs> it was like it's like a uh, one of those things where they, they dude Noah's master chief missing. <laughs> I, I'm Christian now. <laughs> That's um, it. <laughs> where and you see that stuff in the in the Bible all the time where they have like this. Is obviously something that's been translated five or six times, and and you have words that are cognates or words like that mean other things. And I can't think of a single one in English right now. Besides, the only word I can think of right now is dewlap, and that doesn't help us. <laughs> but you have like uh, where a word means friend, but also means like stapler or something. Yep. Um, what if the flood was a mistranslation of a ton of water, and it was actually a, a, a surplus a, of un, evil or something? An inexorable tide of <laughs> shape shifting demons. But anyway, so so what the aliens did is they went along the Apple, you know, the original Appalachian Trail, being those three mountain ranges all together, and on every peak put a beacon. So you know, in Maine, on the top of Mount Katahdin, supposedly to this day there is a beacon. Pangea for those. Of you- that don't know that was when like all the continental plates were smushed together into one mega continent right and and when over millions of years when they split i'm doing all kinds of hand motions and only john can see them they're great they're very descriptive yeah Yeah. wildly gesticulating right now and as the continents split apart that mountain range was basically along the seam so there's like it, it goes up from africa across right so now now you have the atlas range in in africa you have the appalachian trail in uh, north america and you have the scottish highlands obviously in scotland but they they the aliens put a beacon on the tops of all of the large peaks you know so again in here it would be mount katahdin and mount washington 
would in theory have one of these beacons and it somehow drew the skinwalker flood-esque type things to it to all be contained into one area kind of like a like a moth to a light okay just so you know we did do an ad for your business on this episode <laughs> so, that's fair so we're <laughs> i disclaimer fully endorsed i heard this one time in a podcast and uh i decided that it you know it, it stuck with me so i 100% thought true. let's talk about it it's 100 percent true <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, edutainment exactly but anyway so the theory is that because of radioactive activity that these beacons are starting to kind of peter out and what could happen if one beacon goes down all the beacons go down and because the you're saying they're wired up in circuit yeah whatever they're in like series technology (laughs) series circuit so if one like an old style like christmas tree lights if one goes out they all go out and if that happens because the way pangea split you now have entire masses of skinwalkers in north america europe and africa all of a sudden snapping out of it and coming back with a vengeance yeah and you were saying that they're just kind of like hang out by the beacons but don't attack right. yeah they it, just kind of like they just chill there kind of uh, and, and in theory that's why you'll hear people doing like hikes and camping and they'll see some of these things but they turn out okay it's because these things are kind of kind of mesmerized by these in, beacons ties into all the missing 411 stuff have you heard about that no. oh dude we maybe we'll watch one of the documentaries later that's yeah. that's a whole other can of worms to get into yep yeah go on sorry but uh but yeah so so that was that was the whole story that essentially if one of these beacons go down then we're gonna have a flood of skinwalkers to deal with uh again 100 percent true yeah this is hide turning, your children hide your wife yeah this is turning into like 100 percent my new like schizo biblical <laughs> cosmology yep and, and so one thing that you brought up, especially in the mountains in East Africa, and this is something that I find really interesting. I was planning to do like a Atlantis episode at some point, down, like way down the line. And one of the things that I've read into and heard is like there's a couple of different locations for Atlantis. Do you ever, you saw the Disney movie Atlantis, right? I did, yeah. It's it's much harder to find it because they had to hire like 18 different language experts and they're all digging. I don't remember which one it is. So the the Disney head audience is, um, correct me if I'm wrong, at nightmarenow.com where you can find all the socials and subscribe to the show and rate the show and everything. But it was like either Ireland or Iceland and they had to find this like linguist with a million year old book to figure out. God damn it, it wasn't Iceland at all. That's not a C, it's an R. (laughs) Atlantis is in Ireland. I think it might have been the opposite, but whatever. But one of the actual, like, theorized locations for Atlantis, and there's all kinds of Atlantis stuff. A lot of people will say that, like, oh, you know, Atlantis only showed up when, uh, was it Plato first talked about it? Because he heard it from somebody. Basically... Plato did what you just did. He's like, I heard this on a podcast. I heard this thing once. I heard this on a podcast and this is real. But what a lot of that skeptic look at it doesn't take into account is it literally only takes the literal translate. uh, We're we're a long way from Maine. (laughs) Spooky (laughs) Maine at this point. But it only takes that literal translation of Atlantis to A-T-L-A-N-T-I-S. I think I nailed it. But there's all kinds of references to like a city near like Central America called Adel. Where, like, you know, great human sacrifices were taking place and um, all this stuff. So it could have been, like, some precursor civilization to, like, the Aztecs and stuff like that. Also, where all that civilization stuff was would be exactly where 
this mountain range would fit in as Pangea I'm um, doing the hand motions together. Cue the X file. Do 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 where that mountain range would connect right to Aztec and other Mesoamerican cultures. You have this mountain part on the eastern is that right? It'd be on the, on, on the western side of Africa, yeah. where you have like I think it's called the Eye of Africa or something, where you have this like ring of mountains and you have these three rings like concentric circles. Yeah, yeah, it's just like way out in the middle of the desert, and it's like if you look at the the historic quote unquote historical descriptions of Atlantis, you have this ringed city with all these canals that like you know whoever came and first gazed eyes upon yeah and then it sunk into the it was destroyed in a flood so maybe the beacons went out before and then if you're talking about how the radiation is keeping the beacons up there's like all this stuff with decaying half-lives of radioactive material to keep it running like what if that was the (laughs) the fucking the atlantis cataclysm it wasn't like underwater at all i mean the skinwalkers probably brought the water with them. But then the through the continental drift of the plate tectonics, we have we have this eye of Africa that is the site in these mountains of the like skidwalker beacons and also the site of the original Atlantis, which has derivative cultures found over in South America. It all adds up. In short, they're they're putting chemicals in the water, turning the skinwalkers gay. So wait, <laughs> that, that's, that was the synopsis. Yeah, that if you could follow that, we're we're friends. So I think that's pretty. I think we we kind of lost the plot on Spooky Maine there a little bit. But the, I mean Appalachians. I mean, there's yeah, a chunk I mean, of Appalachians. Right, in Maine. right, right, right. Yeah, and like the end of the Appalachian Trail is in Maine, and you have all the the peculiar Appalachian folks. Appalachia. Yeah. What did it shine? Um, but yeah, I, I think that that is something that is highly suspect, and but also the exact kind of thing that I'm super interested in. Right, I heard like, this one thing one ex- time. This is now law. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adjust your lives like accordingly. That lady at the, like the lady at the grocery store was like, "Dude, yeah." Oh my god. But yeah, I, I think that that nicely wraps it up. We got. Pomola, we got the Ghost Moose of Maine, we got Ghost Police, we have, and this isn't even touching on all the haunted sites like, uh, what's that place, Fort Knox, or whatever, then there's, you know, all the harrowing sort of tales of, like, the wars, like, King Philip's War between Mm -hmm. the, like, early settlers and the Native Americans. I mean, the town that, the town we're in right now was conquered and reconquered from the English and the Native Americans three or four times. Yeah. Like, it, there's so much bloodshed just in the town we're in right now. Yeah. yeah. The, You're telling me there isn't a tree that doesn't have some spooky to it? I, I mean, in, in school, we basically learned that, like, oh, we gave the Native Americans corn and that we were friends and we showed them Thanksgiving. And it was it was a whole lot more scalping I, I going on on I, both sides. It was a bloody, disgusting set of war. But yeah, I mean, there. this is a cool upper eastern corner of the continental USA, and there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of very early history. Like, this is, up in New England is where the first, like, European settlers really hit the country that we now know as the United States, and there was a lot of conflict, a lot of bloodshed, and a lot of ghost mooses. So we're we're probably going to dabble a little bit more in some main stuff on some other show. But I think for now, 
Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, if anyone out there decides they want to go camping, go hunting, go fishing in the woods of Maine and experience it for themselves, just I don't know up. why you would after this episode. That was not a good plug. <laughs> Come on. If you really want to go after the ghost moose, just make sure you bring anti-skinwalker tactical gear. <laughs> but yeah, for, for real, if you're in Maine and you want to hang out with a great dude and learn a lot about weasels and dewlaps and Mount Katahdin, check it out at, what was it, LamarcaOutfitters.com? LamarcaOutfitters.com. Yeah. I'd say sweet dreams, but uh, you know the drill. It's only going to be nightmares now. Hit it, Lloyd. Lloyd.